morning, good morning. It is truly an honor to stand before you um, to bring the Word of God this morning. Um, so if you have your Bible, or if you don't, the words will be on the screen. We are going to go to the book of Jonah, and we are going to read chapter 1. So I'm going to approach this a little bit different. Um, if you do truly have your Bible, either digital or, or physically, Follow along with me because I'll be making some pauses along the way and making some little commentaries, if you will. <laughs> so we'd love for you to join me in that. So um, we are in a new series entitled Warning Signs. And my title for the message today is The Cost of Avoidance. That's my title today. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, please reveal who you are to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So here you go. It's Jonah 1. And it reads, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That's the translation I'm reading from. You can read from whatever translation that you are comfortable with, and for those online. But you can also follow that. The Lord gave his message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment and guessed it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to a port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. All right, so I wanna pause here for those that are not familiar with this story. Um, Jonah is a prophet of God. We know this because his name is mentioned again in the book uh, 2 Kings, um, and that's chapter 14, verse 25. He's definitely a prophet. And the city of Nineveh is a city that is in a Gentile nation, Assyria. And Assyria has been an enemy of Israel. And God is telling his prophet to go to a Gentile nation making it worse even their enemy, and prophesy that his judgment is coming to them. Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me and God gives me a message like that to go tell my enemy that his judgment is coming to them, I would not hesitate. Maybe you're more righteous than I. God is working on me. That's why I still need the blood. Um, but Jonah decides to, no, go the opposite direction, which I found interesting. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess he really doesn't want God's judgment against his enemy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty righteous of him. And then he's hoping to escape God. So let's see if he was successful in doing so. Yes? So let's read um, verse 4. But the Lord heard a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that that threatened to break this. Let me go back. I'm sorry. But the Lord heard a powerful wind over the, the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shout to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray for your God. Pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare 
our lives. Okay, let's pause here. That did not work. He did not escape God. Mm -mm. Um, And unfortunately, his disobedience is now affecting people around him. And you know what what makes this worse? Is that he didn't even care. He was asleep. And I wonder why that is. And I'm trying to figure out, is it because these people were also Gentiles? That's why he didn't care. I wonder if these people were Israelites, if he would be asleep. Would he even be on board, knowing that his disobedience is going to bring some kind of storm? But he slept, didn't care. Let's read verse 7. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as a culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Another pause. These are Gentiles. They don't know who God is. But yet, God spoke to them through Lot. Uh, Lot is like, you know, throwing a dice or flipping a coin, trying to find out why the storm is happening. And even though they don't even know who he is, he actually used something that they use all the time to speak to them, to let them know, oh, it's my prophet that's the cause. Can you imagine that? God's own prophet is causing this calamity on people who are just innocent bystanders. Verse 10. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, but he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you? to stop the storm. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all of my fault. Let's pause there. So, instead of Jonah repenting, he rather died. And he asked this man to throw him overboard. Just throw me overboard, everything will be fine. If you throw me overboard. Verse 13 here says, Instead, the sailors roll even harder to get the sheep to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for his own good reasons. It's interesting they said, you brought the storm to him, not to us, but to him. Then the sailors picked, up jo- picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. It is interesting to me here and also sad that these sailors who doesn't even serve the one true God is more concerned about Jonah than Jonah is about them. 
and he serves the one true God. I find that sad and interesting at the same time. The amazing thing about this is I've read the book of Jonah so many times. And for the first time reading this, I'm like, oh, the Lord brought the big fish to make sure that Jonah does not die. I used to think that actually was a punishment. (laughs) But he did that so he doesn't die. He would rather die than to obey God to bring, to pronounce judgment to his enemies. But when you go to uh, chapter 2, you see that he finally prays. It took him three days and three nights. That is also astounding how stubborn he is. I'm like, sir, really? Really? You had to be there for three days and three nights to finally say, Lord, I'm sorry? For real? Mm, Mm-mm. That is not my, that's not my testimony. Mm-mm. Um, but he finally repented, and the fish spit him out in Nineveh. But you know what's so crazy? <laughs> I've always been judgmental towards Jonah. I really have. Every time I read it, I don't know about you, but I have. But honestly, I can relate to Jonah. I really could. Now, granted, mine is not, you know, God didn't send me to some enemy, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going the opposite direction. In my case, was more of fear. God called me to the ministry. I'm like, ah, I'm not your girl. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I got issues. As a matter of fact, I will embarrass you. Having heard of all the people that embarrass you in ministry, I will be the one. Do not call me. Um, I'm not your girl. I know you God and you know everything, but you don't know me. Absolutely not. Because if you did, you would not call me to the ministry. That, is, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. I'll just stay here with my crazy self. And I honestly thought that was being honorable. But I now realize that that's actually being arrogant. Because honestly, nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. But somehow, some kind of way, God still chooses to use imperfect people to reach his people. He still does that. So there are a few things that we <laughs> have learned about God, especially in, just, especially in just in this chapter or in this story as a whole. There's a lot, but I chose a few just for time, okay? So first thing is God wants to walk in and through us to reach his people. And the interesting thing about Jonah And Nineveh is God chose a wicked prophet to reach a wicked people. That is mind-blowing to me. Absolutely mind-blowing to me. So when God is calling you to do something, to say something, especially if you're in ministry or calling you to a certain vocation, there's a certain type of people that God wants you to reach. And those people can relate to you. It is hard to reach people that you cannot relate. It is challenging. And here, and God chose Jonah. The second thing we learn, of course, about God is his persistence. Now, God can go ahead and choose somebody else, right? Why did he continue to persist to get Jonah? God is just like that. So persistent. 
he wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nobody else. Nobody else. And he will keep on on you till you say yes, finally. I know he did for me, and for me it took eight years. <laughs> but finally had to say yes. Another thing alone about God is his weakness is a contrite heart. A heart that repents and turns from ways. When Jonah went to Nineveh, he finally, you know, gave the message. He finally did, and his message was just so, just so rough. If you go to um, chapter 3, verse 4, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowd, 40 days from now, Nineveh, you will be destroyed. That was the message. That's it. And the people believed him, and they repented. And in verse 10, it says, When God saw what they, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. He changed his mind. God would change his mind when we repent. And also, God speaks to all people. It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. It doesn't matter if you worship him or not. Look at these sailors. I don't even know how many of them are there, but he spoke to them through a lot. They threw Jonah overboard. And then when the storm stopped, they were like, oh, this is the real God. None of these other gods that we're praying to. And they changed their ways and vowed to serve only him. And the fifth one, which is wonderful to hear, but also sometimes hard to understand, is God loves all people. He loves all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Our God is the judge, but our God is not judgmental. He is not judgmental. He loves us all. And the interesting thing is with Jonah, when he saw that God did not bring destruction as he prophesied, this is what he said in chapter, in, um, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. The change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? Wait, hold up. What? So this is why you didn't go? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from de destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead, be dead than alive if I, what I predicted would not happen. He was still angry. Even though he knew. He knows God. He knows his character. And I want to put up up here what Jonah says about God. Go ahead with the slide. God is merciful. He's compassionate, 
slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love, eager to turn people back from destruction. Knows this about God. Now, if you are here, or perhaps you're watching online, and you have met Jonas in a church, they have hurt you in any way, and perhaps that's the reason why you decide not to be a part of a church or even get involved in church because of church hurt. I want to say I, I'm so sorry on behalf of all the Jonas. So, so, so sorry. So sorry. Don't know any better. Just going on anger, going on pain. In Jonah's case, uh, truthfully, he was going on pain because they've been in war. We don't know what that war cost him and his family. We don't know that. But to go as far as rather dying than to preach the gospel to the enemy, hoping that they would turn their hearts, it's a whole nother level. So we just want to say, so sorry. So, so sorry. At this time, I want to invite the worship team to come up. Last week, Rev. Steph asked a question at the end of her sermon. And she said, are we willing to accept God's love and compassion for ourselves? This week, I want to ask you, are you willing to accept God's love and compassion for other people who doesn't think like you, act like you, vote like you, worship like you, different from you? Because God loves all people. And for those of us that are Jonas, who think that you have to be perfect or worship God a certain way, in order to be accepted, I pray that you ask God for forgiveness and let God change your heart and let you see people the way he sees people. As you go about your day today, your week, perhaps your month, I want to offer that you pray and ask God who do you want me to show your love and compassion to? Some of you probably already have someone in mind before I can even finish that statement or that question. And if God has given you someone in mind, ask him to teach you how, show you how to go about it because we need wisdom. We need wisdom on how to show God's love and compassion, not our love and compassion but God's love and compassion. We cannot do that without God. It is impossible to love your enemy. That is a fact. So go ahead. I pray that you ask that. Stay humble. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, you're going to feel funny. It's going to feel weird. But trust that God has you. Let him give you the words to say and give you the posture that you need to display his love to his people. Because the crazy thing about God is he needs us to show other people that he cares. 
For me, what made me change my mind, because I have honestly been thinking that this call is about me and who I am. I was honestly watching a service, and I was watching a prophet prophesy to a man. And when he came to the man, he looked at him and he said, God says that he sees you. He sees that you have trouble sleeping. He sees you weeping at night. And this man broke crying. And in his tears, I understood that for him, he was so grateful that God sees him. God sees him in his pain. And for me, for the first time, I realized that the call that God is calling me into has nothing to do about me. But for him to reach his people who have been calling, crying out to him. And when his people cry out to him, he sends people to the rescue. He works through people to the rescue. So whatever call that God has called you to, perhaps you're here and you're struggling with it. Please know there are people who are crying and praying and begging and asking God to please answer their prayer. And he wants to send you as an answer. So I hope that you consider that. Take that to account as God nudges you to do something in his stead. That might be uncomfortable and outside your comfort zone, but he will be with you along the way. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you.